Good evening to each of you. I greet you in the name of Jesus tonight. I'm excited about being here this week, and I'm excited about sharing the Word of God with you. I think it was two years ago that Brother Jim asked me to come and share, and when you make a commitment two years out, you're like, well, that's pretty far out. Sure, I can do that. And all of a sudden, here it is. But I do want to say one thing uh, here at the beginning. You have very wise ministry. And the reason is, is because they asked a teacher to have revival meetings. Um, teachers understand what it's like to take student or have students in their classroom that are tired because of the previous night's activities. So I can guarantee you that you will not accuse me of going overtime. So I'll say that at the very beginning, um, just to earn some brownie points. So Brother Jim already said I am married to Laura. Um, we have six children. Nicholas is our oldest. Um, he is 12, Hans is 10 years old, Felix is 7, Lucas is 5, and Emma is 3, and probably most of you know that our youngest son, Dietrich, um, passed away from SIDS last year, um, it was a year in August, which has been a growing and a trying time in our lives, but I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God. Um, I can testify to that, and I can testify to the faithfulness of the body of Christ as well. Um, Laura and I just celebrated our 14th anniversary two weeks ago, which uh, I mean, it blows my mind to think that 14 years have passed, but somehow that's, what, um, that's how time goes. And I was sitting here, and I, was, I think the last time that I was here at Myerstown was for Drew and Rochelle's wedding. Um, and I was just thinking back to a conversation that I had with Leon right before I got married to Laura. I, don't, I just remember talking to you about... I'm not going to share anything personal. Um, I'm just saying I remember a conversation I had with you, and it's hard to believe that that's 14 years ago. Um, but God is faithful, and I'm thankful for his work in my life. Um, we are planning to start a church in the city of Lebanon. We were actually supposed to start, have started already. Um, I counted a blessing that we didn't actually start yet, um, because I am going as the lead pastor, so obviously my role is going to be a bit more significant than it was at Pleasant Valley. Uh, We are planning to start the first Sunday in November, so you can pray for that work. We're very excited about that, Um, obviously with a little bit of trepidation and some fears, but um, we're excited about the work of God um, in our lives. Something I want to share with you here at the beginning, uh, I get to share this week of revival meetings, and This week, as I share, my goal is to preach the Word of God, it is to preach truth, and is to share with you the journey that God has taken me on, and I want to share with you the the weaknesses and the sins that have affected my life. One thing that I, I want to be with you this week is genuine. I am not a perfect person. My relationship with Christ is growing. And I'm thankful for what God has done in my heart and in my life. But I am standing here tonight as a person who has been saved by the almighty, the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing else that I can claim for myself There is nothing else that I can say has given me the power to live the life that I have lived except for the blood of Jesus Christ. And tonight I am thankful for the work 
of Christ in my life and the work of the cross. And this week as I share, like I said, I want to share truth with each of you. I want to be real and I want to be genuine. I have a part to play as the evangelist, but all of you here tonight throughout the week have a role to play as well. And Brother Jim already mentioned prayer, and I beg that you would continue to pray for me throughout the week, that God would uh, reveal to me what he wants me to share with all of you. And at the same time, I ask that you would do what God wants you to do with the truth that I share with you. In other words, my goal is to share truth with you and to speak into your life, but you have a responsibility to do something with it. And my simple challenge is that you would allow the Word of God to speak into your life and to change you as, you, as God leads you and as the Spirit directs you. For a sermon introduction, I would like to share with you a story. Um, when we moved back from, from Nicaragua, uh, I needed cheap transportation. And so when you need cheap transportation, the first place you go is Craigslist. So I went on Craigslist, and uh, I started searching for vehicles, and as it was, there was a green Jetta that was for sale in Palmyra for the wonderful sum of $1,000. And I thought to myself, this is perfect. I'm going to get myself some wheels for $1,000, and it's not going to hurt my paycheck or my, my bank account too much. So up to Palmyra, we went to look at this car, and... I'll confess right now up front, I am not a mechanic, okay? If your vehicle is making weird and strange noises, do not ask me what is causing it. Um, I might look under the hood and poke a few things, but I have no idea what I'm doing. So I went up and I looked at this car, and hindsight is always perfectly clear, right? Hindsight is always 20-20. So I went and I looked at this car, I looked under the hood, um, did all the typical things that I thought people do when, they, when they're buying vehicles, and I even looked underneath the underside of the car, but I did not look well enough. Um, here in the back of the car, right at the ba- inside the back doors, uh, the floorboards were kind of rusty. And there was a couple holes in the, in the floorboards. Um, and I only learned this after I bought the car and took it for inspection. And the, the garage told me, yeah, there's, there's a couple of issues with this vehicle. Um, the biggest thing is that there's some holes in the bottom of it and you need to fix them. So I took it to a to a body shop and he took some some metal flashing and stuck it in there and put some other miraculous items underneath that car. I took it back to the garage and he said, yeah, it's good to go. So I drove that vehicle for two years and finally the garage told me, he said, look, I'm really sorry, but this vehicle is just not going to pass. So I said, all right, I need to find another vehicle. So back on Craigslist we go. So I was looking at vehicles and I really wanted a pickup truck. And I found this little blue truck down in the city of Lancaster, and price was right, and so I went to look at it. And the guy came out and he started talking to me, and I quickly learned that he did not speak very good English. So I quickly left him know that I speak Spanish, and so we conversed a little bit in Spanish, and I, I wanted him to know that I speak Spanish just simply so that way he didn't have the the card of, you know, he's going to talk to somebody else in Spanish about the vehicle, and then I'd have to embarrass him and tell him, actually, I understand what you're saying. So we talked a little bit, and I bought this truck. And I took it home, and it worked really well for a couple of weeks. And then it just started giving me this problem where I would get into it, and I would try to start it, and I would turn the key, and nothing would happen. And 
I'd get out of it, and you know, I'm not much of a, a mechanic, so I open the hood and I wiggle the battery cables and do some other stuff, and it would start. And I did this for a couple of weeks, and then finally one morning, it, it didn't matter how I wiggled the cables or what I did, it just did not start. And so I said, well, this is a bad, bad battery. So I went and I got another battery, put it in, and it worked well for a couple of weeks. And then one morning I came out and I went to start it, and it didn't do anything. My lights hadn't been left on, and I knew that I had just put a new battery in it, so I figured there must be some other problem. So I went and I checked out the, the battery cables a little bit, and sure enough, one of them was just a little bit loose. The piece, like where the, the cable actually went into the, the battery clamp, there was a couple of nuts on the back, and it was just a little bit loose, and so I tightened it up, and that seemed to fix it. It was an easy fix for the problem. Um, on Saturday, I was working at our house, and we're getting our house ready to sell, so I'm doing all the things that I should have done years ago but never did. And so on Saturday, I was putting up some trim, and I was using my chop saw, and then I had to rip something down, so I got my circular saw and would cut um, down the piece of trim, and I put it up. A little bit later, I went out, and I went to use my chop saw, and nothing happened. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I need to plug this thing in. So I grabbed my, my cord and I unplugged the circular saw. I plugged the chop saw back in again, and everything was good. Well, a little bit later, I needed to use the other saw. Well, what did I, I do by nature? Went out to use it, and nothing happened until I realized, that's right, I need to plug it in. When I looked at the, that tool, that tool was sitting there, and there was nothing wrong with it. The tool didn't have any issues. The problem was it, was it wasn't connected to a power source. When I used my, when my truck had issues, the problem was is there was a bad connection. There was power there. Everything was correct, but there was just a connection issue that needed to be corrected. When I was trying to use my tools, the problem was that there wasn't any type of connection to any power source. I think there's a practical lesson that we can learn from both of those examples. In my short term of life, I have spoken with a lot of people and I've experienced a lot of things myself in my own personal Christian experience. And as I look at the lives of people and I listen to the testimony of people and I hear the struggles that they have, a lot of times, I believe the problem can be boiled down to two main problems. One of two. First of all, either their connection has never been made, there isn't a connection that they've ever made to a power source that is extremely important, or the connection that they made at some point in their life has been broken and it has become somewhat fuzzy. And that connection isn't as strong as what it once was. Now, when we talk about a power source, a power source is very important because if you're using a tool that uses electricity, it's only as good as the source of its power. In other words, if the source isn't any good, the tool isn't going to operate very well either. When we lived in Nicaragua, we went to, our church was out in the country, and it was in an area that there wasn't any electricity. And through talking with some of the people um, from some of the, the Nicaraguans, they told us it would be nice if you would have church, your evening services a little bit later instead of at 
Typically, we had them, I think, around 4 o'clock in the afternoon um, because it got dark by about 6, 6.30. That would give us enough time to have a service and get everything cleaned up and then go home again. So uh, we decided, sure, this is a great idea. You know, we're going to have an evening service. And so we went out and we bought um, a little Yamaha generator that used mixed gas. And we, when we bought it, we tested it. Everything seemed to work fine. And so we decided we're going to do these evening services. So we had to take along this string of light bulbs to hang up in church. Um, and then the idea was that after church was over, we'd take them down and haul everything back home again. So the first service, um, we plugged everything, plugged everything in, got everything all hooked up. There was enough of light that we could actually see to do all of this. And then um, we got the generator fired up and we started having our service. And we were going to have a song service. Well, we sang about maybe three, four songs, and all of a sudden the lights started doing these really weird things, like they would get really dim, and they would get really bright, and then they'd get really dim, and they'd get really bright. And uh, right away we noticed that something was going on with the generator. Um, the generator was outside the church. It was supposed to be far enough away that we wouldn't hear, hear it very well, but you could hear the thing it would rev up, and then it would drop down, and it would rev back up again. And every time it revved up, the lights got really bright, and then they'd get really dim. The lights weren't an issue. The lights weren't a problem. The problem was the generator, which we ended up having to take it back and um, replacing it with another one. But the bulbs weren't a problem. The source of their power was the issue. The question I have for you tonight, and it's something that I would like us to think about throughout this week. If I came to each of you and I asked you personally, what is the driving force behind your life? What is that thing that you would say powers your life? What would you tell me? What is the thing that you are connected to that is powering your life? Let's go to the book of John, John chapter 15, and I would like to look at some verses here at the beginning of this chapter. John 15, verses 1 to 5. Jesus is speaking here and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. In the beginning of this chapter, Jesus is introducing this idea to his disciples about who he is. And he says, I am the true vine. And I think the idea that Christ is trying to give to us is that there are other things out there that we can connect ourselves to. There are other vines that we could, we could attempt to um, power our lives off of. But Jesus is saying that I am real, I am genuine. I am not a counterfeit. A number of years ago, I went to, um, to Asia on the water program. And we went to Thailand and we were in Chiang Mai. And one of the things that I just, I remember doing is we went to this night bazaar where they were selling all this, all this stuff. 
and I just remember walking down the street and seeing all the cheap knockoff stuff, all the counterfeit stuff, all this clothing and everything else that was supposed to be genuine and real, but it wasn't. It was obviously fake. It wasn't the real, genuine thing. Now, when we lived in Nicaragua, we would often see that with people as well. Um, and it was kind of humorous for us as, as English-speaking people to see their shirts that had Americans spelled wrong when they were trying to wear their American Eagle T-shirt or whatever. You know, we'd kind of, you know, look at them and say, well, it'd be kind of funny if they actually knew what it would say. Um, but all of those things were a counterfeit for something else that was real. None of us here tonight, if we were going to go out and purchase something, a name brand item, none of us would say, if we got to the store and they told us, hey, we have something here that isn't actually name brand, but it's close. Um, take, for instance, a power tool. If you went out and said that you would like to buy a Makita tool, and you got to the store and they said, we have something that's red, and it's almost like Makita, but it's not quite genuine, if you were really interested in having the real product, you would say, I'm not interested in that. I want something that's real. I want the real deal. I don't want some counterfeit that isn't going to stand up to the test. Jesus here is saying, I am the true vine. I am genuine. I am real. What I say I can do, I will. You can trust me. Jesus goes on and he says, he talks about how these branches, which are us, that are connected to the vine, he says, each branch that doesn't bear fruit, he says his father takes away. And every branch that is bearing fruit, he purges it so it can bring forth more fruit. The idea with this purging that Christ is talking about is for production of fruit. Each of us as a Christian, which Christ is going on, as you look at these verses and you continue on, you read what Christ says, our main objective is to produce fruit. To live a fruitful life where we produce fruit that makes that gives evidence of who we are in Jesus Christ. That should be our desire. And Christ is saying that every branch that doesn't bear fruit, He takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, He purges it, so it will bring forth more fruit. When I was younger, my parents lived at a, on a format that had a, had a grape arbor, and my mom kind of knew how to purge it, um, she would go in there and cut things off of it, but one year she didn't get a chance to, and so um, my brother-in-law asked his brother to come over and purge this, this grape arbor um, to trim it. And so he came over and he trimmed it. Unfortunately, he knew even less than what my mother did about purging grape vines, and he cut a whole bunch of things off of the, the grape arbor, and I just remember my mom, after she saw it, she was just like, oh my. Um, that's different than what I was expecting. Um, but the tr what actually happened is the arbor, the, the vine itself, went into shock. And for about two years, it didn't produce any fruit. So the purging that he attempted to do worked against what he was actually trying to make it do. In other words, he took away things that were vital to the vine. And when I look at these verses and what Christ is saying, Christ is saying, Jesus, that he himself comes along, he purges the vine, so it produces more fruit. Now, the purging in our lives isn't necessarily something that is, 
that is pleasant, it's not always something that, that we enjoy. But when we stop and evaluate what Christ is doing to us, the reason why he's doing it, it makes it much more tolerable. So you and I are called to be part of this vine as branches. Christ does his part to help us to produce fruit. And then he says in verse 4, the beginning of the verse, he says, abide in me. Christ is calling all of us to be firmly attached to himself. To be attached to the vine in such a way that it isn't easy for us to be pulled out. So it's not easy for us to be detached. When I look at this verse, and I look at this word abide, it's this idea of a connection that has been thought through, a connection that has been considered, and we are doing our part to nurture that connection. It's not a connection that's going to be easily broken, and it's not a connection that's just partial, firmly tightly gripping the vine. Two years ago, we grew tomato plants in our backyard, and we have dogs and we have boys, um, which they just don't blend well with the garden, um, because what happens with dogs and with boys is they get to chasing each other, and none of them are thinking about where they're going or where the, their momentum is going to carry them. Um, so one, one morning I went out and I looked at our garden and I realized that one of the tomato plants was smashed. It had a big, thick stalk and about half, it was split right down the middle and half of it was just laying on the ground. The other half was kind of standing up. And so I went in and I questioned my boys and, yeah, we don't, we don't know anything about this, you know, no idea. Certainly it was the dog, so we blamed the dog. Um, but when I looked at that tomato plant, I could have tried to piece that thing back together. I could have tried to patch it back together. I could have taped it or whatever. But I don't think that that one half of the stalk was going to produce fruit again. Because I did try to pick it up, and as soon as I tried to pick it up, it broke off the rest of the way. So it was completely useless. When you and I become attached to Christ, there is a temptation for us to to break that connection. And we sang the song, um, I don't remember the title right off the top of my head, but in the one verse it talks about how we are prone to wander, we're prone to leave the God that we love. And when you and I make a decision to attach ourselves to the vine of Jesus Christ, Satan's primarily, primary objective is to come in and disrupt that connection. And he might, he might bring forces in that break it. Or he might bring forces in where he attempts to completely cut off that connection that we've made to the vine. Tonight, each of us who have made a commitment to Christ have choices that we need to make. And we need to choose either to, to nurture that connection that we have or we can allow forces to come in that attempt to break 
that connection that we've made to Christ. When I was a very young boy, um, my mother had a prized tree out in the front yard. It was a dogwood tree. And this tree uh, was kind of, it was very special to her. And one, one morning, uh, my brother was climbing in this tree, and he broke the one branch almost completely off. And there was just like this little flap of bark that was still holding on to it. Just a little tiny piece. And I looked at my brother, and he was looking at me, and I was like, oh my, mom is not going to be impressed. And so I was immediately in my mind trying to formulate how we can fix this thing. And I told my brother, listen, we need to fix this branch so that way mom doesn't know anything about it. And I said, go get the duct tape. Um, I think we can fix this thing. So my brother ran up into the shop, and he got the duct tape, and we duct taped that branch up as good as we could. And just about finished, and mom comes walking out. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, so-and-so broke the branch off the tree, or almost, and I'm attempting to fix it. And uh, she said, well, this is interesting. You're using duct tape. I said, well, I don't know what else to use. So we used duct tape. We wrapped that thing up. And the interesting thing is is that it actually grew. And a couple of years later, uh, we were kind of joking around and saying how we had broken this branch off. We were like, how does it look now? And so we went over, and there was this big knot where the duct tape had been, and the tree had completely grown around it. My point that I'd like to make, when you think about your connection, as long as you are still connected to the vine, it doesn't matter if it's just a tiny flap just a little piece of a connection, as long as it isn't broken, there is a way that you can mend that relationship and you can mend that vine and produce a connection that will produce fruit. Jesus makes a point in verse 5 and verse 4 He says in verse 4, As the branch can't bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. There is no way that you and I can become fruitful, productive, vibrant Christians apart from being connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. There is no other way that we can do it. We can attempt to connect to other things. Nothing is going to produce results like Jesus Christ. Jesus says in verse 5, He's specifying again, I am the vine, you are the branches. Any person who's connected to me, who abides in me, brings forth a lot of fruit. And then He makes this statement, for without me, ye can do nothing. Tonight as you evaluate your relationship with Christ, as you evaluate your standing with Christ, it is important for you to remember that apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. And if you are here tonight as a born-again, saved believer who is walking with Jesus Christ, apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. It is all because of our relationship with Jesus Christ that we are who we are. We have been connected to Christ. He has brought life into us. 
We can produce fruit because of that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. When we lived in Nicaragua, there was a young man by the name of Julio. And I remember having different conversations with Julio. He had been studying with another young man who was part of our our team there in Nicaragua. And one of the things that Julio and I talked about was accepting the Lord. And I remember one day we were working out in the field, and I said to Julio, I said, listen, why aren't you becoming a Christian? Like, what's holding you back? What's keeping you back from accepting Christ? And he said, Randy, there's a lot of things that I need to take care of. There's a lot of things that I need to to deal with in my life before I can become a Christian. And I said, well, like what? And he said, well, there's people that I've wronged and I need to go and ask them for forgiveness. And I remember our conversation and I, I said to him, I said, Julio, listen, you don't need to go back and make those things right now. What you need to do right now is accept Christ as your Savior. Then you go back and you make those things right. You don't need to go back and make those things right so you can accept Christ as your Savior. If you do that, you're saying that you're the one who's trying to save yourself. I said, it's good that you have a desire to go back and make these things right, but that shouldn't keep you from making Christ Lord of your life. Open yourself up and allow Christ to to come into your heart and surrender yourself to Him. But the temptation in our lives, as I look at that, look at Julio in his life, and I'm not sure where he's at spiritually. He never, he did accept the Lord, um, kind of went through a period where he was faithful and then he fell away. He came back again. I'm not actually even sure where he's at right now. But as I look at the example of Julio, I see an example that is fleshed out so often in my own life where I sense the hand of God on my life about something, and instead of saying, God, I really need you to help me deal with this, or walk through this, or make this right, instead I say, all right, I'm going to take care of this, I got this, and then I'm going to come back to my relationship with Christ. You and I as Christians are called to put to death the old man. There is no power that can come from within ourselves. There is nothing that I can bring up from within myself to make right the wrongs that I have done. I can go back and I can ask for forgiveness. I can go back and I can make wrongs right. But the reason why I'm doing that isn't just to make myself better. It goes back to the abiding that is going on in my life. The connection that I have to the vine. Because I want to nurture, I want to take care of that connection. So when the Spirit of God convicts me of something in my life, I am dependent upon Jesus Christ to make that right and to set correct the things that might be wrong in me. Jesus goes on in in this verse, or in in this chapter. He says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be 
my disciples. My prayer this week, as we meet, is that you would evaluate your life and you would think about the connection that you have made with Christ and think about the fruit that you are bearing and think about what Christ says here at the end of verse 8 about the idea of being his disciple. If you are here tonight and you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that your desire is to be a faithful disciple of Jesus, to bear much fruit, to allow him to work in your life so that happens. And if you're here tonight and that relationship is kind of on the wane, that this week could be a time of just focusing on that relationship and building it back up and strengthening it. And if you're here tonight and you've never made a commitment to Christ, you have never connected yourself to the vine, I hope that this week can be a time of conviction in your heart, that you would make that connection, that you could become a disciple of Jesus Christ. In verse 15... Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Jesus Christ wants an intimate relationship with each of us. Jesus Christ wants a relationship where he can call us his friend. This week, as we look at the word of God, may you evaluate the source of power in your life. May you evaluate what is giving you power, if a correction needs to be made, may you find the strength to do it. And my prayer is that each of us, at the end of this week, could talk about our friend, Jesus Christ, the true vine, the one who gives us the power that we need to live victoriously and to live for him. I'm not going to give an invitation every evening. My prayer this week is that each of us, myself included, could be encouraged in our walk with Christ and that we would evaluate how we're doing, what we're doing, and what needs to be changed. So keep praying. Pray that God would be faithful. Pray that God would show me what he wants me to share and that the Spirit would have free course to move as he desires this week. So keep praying. And pray for my family as well. Um, my children are kind of excited about coming to listen to Dad preach. I'm not sure why that is, but uh, I, I count it a blessing because I'm sure the day is coming where they'll roll their eyes when Dad has to get up again. Um, but pray for them as well, and pray that um, each of us could just look inwardly, look at our hearts, and really sense what the Spirit is telling us. Let's all stand and let's have a closing prayer. God in heaven tonight, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that it is powerful. God, each of us in our lives has a choice to make about our connections. We have, we have things in the world that we can connect ourselves to that take us away from the true vine. And Jesus, we thank you for your authenticity. We thank you that you are real and that you are genuine. 
And most of all, we thank you that you love us and you care for us. Thank you that you desire to call us your friend. And Lord, I pray that tonight, as we leave from here, that each of us could evaluate our connection to you. How well are we connected to the source of power in our lives? God, you have, through Jesus Christ, you have clearly said, without you, we can do nothing. And I pray that each of us could look at our hearts and our lives and evaluate how we're doing, make changes if we need to. God, I pray that your spirit would be faithful this week in these meetings. God, I want you to be lifted up. I want you to be glorified. And may each of us avail ourselves to the power of your Holy Spirit this week. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.